Amen. Would you remain standing and we'll give attention to our passage this morning, which is from the book of Colossians, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. This is the word of God to you today. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. God's word to you today. You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you today. For those of you who are here on campus and those of you watching online, grateful to be sharing this time with you. We've been in a series entitled Train Station, and today is our final stop on the journey. And I'm so glad that you're here for it. This has been a series about the power of your thoughts and what God has to say about your thought life as it connects to your discipleship, uh, your process of becoming more like Jesus, which it is a process. I love what Dallas Willard said about discipleship. If you're kind of wanting a good working definition of, of what discipleship means, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. That's what Dallas Willard said, and I love that definition. The process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you, if he were in your relationships, in your job, in your life, becoming more like him. And you'll notice that fourth word, it is a process, isn't it? It's becoming more and more like Jesus. And what Paul reminds us of, and we've learned this in our train station series, is that process of discipleship, of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you, begins with your thoughts. Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, let God renew or transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That is the power of of our thoughts, and God has something to say about it. And that's what we've been talking about in this train station series. And I have loved this time with you. I don't want it to end, but we're going to and move into the book of James next. Uh, but I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to the messages. If you're just joining us for the first time today, all of the messages for the train station series and the study guides are available online, and if you have somebody in your life that you think could benefit from this teaching, I wanna encourage you to share it with them. Let's, let's start this morning, our final message in the train station series, by doing an experiment together, okay? Who's up for an experiment? All right, half of you guys. All right, but we're all gonna do it, okay? Here it is, all right? What I wanna do is I wanna paint a story with words, okay? I wanna set a, a movie scene, if you will, with some words. And then after I paint the scene, I want you to help me understand how the scene is going to finish, how the story is going to finish, okay? Are you with me? All right, so let's, let's jump into our scene. If you need to close your eyes, you can. Let me paint the scene for you. It's Christmas Eve, and there's a young family on their way to grandma and grandpa's house for a special Christmas dinner. They're in a minivan, maybe. And they're traveling down the interstate. It's a, it's a cloudy day. It's beginning to just 
spit a little bit of snow. It feels like Christmas and everyone is excited. Are you there with me in the story? They're listening to Christmas music. Everyone is laughing and Jingle Bells comes on the radio and the kids begin to, to scream and sing out Jingle Bells and everyone is having fun driving down the road together to Christmas dinner, anticipating all the laughter and joy around the table. Pause the scene. What happens next? What happens next in our story? What do you think? 65% of people who just heard the story you did say a car crash. And 15 more percent say something else horrific. They get to grandma's house and there's been a gas leak and the house has exploded, right? So 80% of people who just heard the same story you heard finished the narrative in their mind with something negative. Why is that? It's because an unfocused mind automatically goes to negativity. And those negative thoughts, each of those thoughts, take us to a destination. They, they take us to a place. And that's what we've been talking about in the train station series. The, the power of your thoughts as it relates, again, to the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were living your life today. And just by way of recap as we finish, we started with the metaphor itself, train station, a metaphor for your brain. And we said that your brain is like Grand Central Station with all kinds of thoughts, trains coming into the station and departing the station. We learned that somewhere between 50 to 70,000 thoughts are how many trains are coming and going from our brains every single day. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, you remember this? He says, we come against every thought that stands against the knowledge of Jesus or other people coming to know Jesus. And moreover, he says, and we take captive every single one of those trains, every single one of those thoughts, and we make those thoughts obey Jesus. Now, this is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were living your life. We're taking every single one of those thoughts, especially the ungodly negative thoughts, and we're making them obey the truth and the reality of Christ. We're not just getting on that train of thought and riding it wherever it takes us. So that's where we started. And then secondly, we learned how to avoid train wrecks, if you will. And we talked about Romans chapter 12, where the first 11 chapters of Paul's epistle to the church at Rome is describing the beauty and the depths of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The good news of Jesus, that through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, God accomplished for you and me what we could not do for ourselves. That's the gospel. And then chapters 12 through 16 in the epistle, Paul begins to unpack the realities and how that gospel is going to be evidenced in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions, in everything. And in the first two verses, Romans 12 verses 1 through 2, Paul talks about being a new creation and giving our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And then he says those words, he says, and let God, you don't transform yourself, you don't change yourself, 
Christianity is not six steps to a better you. Christianity is Christ came and died in your place and now offers you his new life. And Paul says, let that reality, let that truth, let that thought transform you, renew you by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think about your past, your present, and your future. We talked thirdly about train tracks. Remember that one? We looked at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Verse 8 specifically, where Paul says, it's, the exercise is not, don't think about this, don't think about this, don't think about this, don't think about this big elephant behind me, don't think about it. No, he says, no, think on these things. We're not playing defense as Christians in our thought life, we're playing offense. We're thinking on the things of God. And he gives us this wonderful filter to, to filter our thoughts through, just like we filter our water and our, our, our air, we filter our thoughts through the lens of Jesus. And in this way, we're laying tracks. And we've learned about neuropathways, these train tracks that are in our train station. And the more godly thoughts we think, the more we have the ability to repeat them because we're laying these pathways or train tracks. And that's the power of filtering our thoughts through God's word. We learned about train engines in 2 Timothy 1.7, that God hasn't given us a spirit of what? Of fear. We live in such a fearful world, don't we? There are many things to be afraid of in this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, don't be afraid, because I've overcome the world. There's something more to this world. So Paul reminds his spiritual son, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and what? A sound mind. I had a New City family member who sent me a picture of this passage this week. I, I love it, of their daughter wearing this truth around school on her T-shirt. And, and, you know, I wonder if all of us put that on every day and remembered that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, that God begins to change our hearts and our lives. The process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were living your life begins by understanding the reality that we don't operate in fear as Christians, we are afraid, yes, but we don't live by that. We don't take counsel by our fears. We don't make decisions by our fears because God's given us the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Last week, my friend Dale Hummel was here. If you missed that message, go back and listen to it. And we talked about new train stations. Again, this renewing of our minds, that if our minds are a train station, God wants to renew them to give us a new train station to filter our thoughts and to think rightly about God and ourselves and, and other people. And today I wanna to finish, if you're taking notes, by talking about destinations. That every single one of these thoughts, again, that are arriving and departing the train station are taking us somewhere. They're leading to a destination. Your mind is a train station and every single one of those thoughts coming and going is taking you somewhere. Where? So let's talk about a train of thought. Throughout this series, we've talked about this. What is, what is a train of thought when we think about where our thoughts are taking us? Well, a train of thought begins with the thought itself, but it doesn't stop there, does it? No, it leaves the station and it becomes something. For many of us, it becomes a stored memory or an emotion or a feeling. And out of that emotion or feeling comes oftentimes a word and from that word, once we begin to speak something, we begin to act in it. And then if we repeat that, it becomes a habit for us. 
something that we're not even conscious of. It just, we do it over and over again. It's become a force of habit. And then out of that, it becomes a lifestyle. It's just how we are. It's just who we are. It's just how we live. And out of that lifestyle, where does it take us? To a destiny or a destination. So if you look around your life right now, your relational life, your spiritual life, your emotional life, even physically where you are, you can oftentimes trace it back to a series of thoughts, words, actions, habits, a lifestyle, and now a destination of where you are. The truth is that our thoughts don't stay in the train station. They leave, and they become feelings, emotions, words, actions, habits, lifestyles, and ultimately are taking us somewhere, and God has something to say about that. Because here's the deal, guys. Our thoughts are never neutral. So if you think about your brain, there is no neutral idling switch. We learned last week that our thoughts, our brains are either in one of two modes. Do you remember this? They're in a focused mode or an unfocused mode. And guess what the default setting is for your brain? Unfortunately, unfocused mode. You don't have to do anything to be unfocused. And when our thoughts are unfocused, like our experiment that we began with of our little family going down the road on Christmas Day, right, for dinner, unfocused brains go to negativity. They go to worst case scenario. They're hyper vigilant in this broken world for what's going to happen next, perceiving the threats and thinking through each and every one of them. And here's oftentimes, if you think about a focused and an unfocused brain, those two settings, those two switches in your brain, if you will, and the default being unfocused, and we go one step further back, right, from the unfocused setting, they tend to go, our thoughts go in one of two places, the past or the future. Now, how many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, if you took an accounting of your thoughts every single day, those 50,000 plus thoughts that come and go out of the train station, out of your brain, how many of those thoughts are focused on the past or on the future? And oftentimes, if you default to the past, it's asking the question, what if? What if I didn't get on this train? What if I let it go? What if I did get on a different train? What if, what if, what if? And all of those what if questions that our brains are trying to resolve in the past lead us to the emotion, the overwhelming emotion of regret. And our lives and our thoughts become much more focused on what has been rather than what is. Some of us focused on the future. And our thoughts in the unfocused mode oftentimes go to what's going to be. And if the past is what if, the future is what? Right? If only, right? If, if, if only this is gonna, were to happen, if, if only I could get on that train. I, I wonder if I can do this. I, I wonder if this person will leave me. I, I, I wonder if I'm ever gonna find someone. I, I think and I fixate on the future. And that fills me oftentimes with the emotion of anxiety. That's a hot word in our culture right now. It's all, anxiety's always been around. We're just understanding it more. And anxiety is oftentimes rooted in the future. What if this happens? If, 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 if this train leaves, if I, if, if I can get the job, if I can graduate, if, 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 and we fixate on that and it fills us with anxiety. 
And you can feel it in the room right now. A room this size of thoughts that are focused on the past, thoughts that are focused on the future, and we miss the reality of Jesus today. And our brains begin to dysfunction. They're not functioning the way that God wants them to because they're overly fixated, trying to resolve the problems of the past or anticipate the problems of the future. And we're riddled with regret and anxiety. You go, man, I'm so glad I came to church today on this dreary day to hear this message. But guess what? There's another way. There's another way forward. A way that's not fixated or thinking constantly about regret in the past or anxiety in the future. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, for the present is the point at which time touches eternity. In other words, I can't touch eternity living in the past. And I can't touch eternity, the things of God, constantly focused and anxious about things that could happen in the future. It's the present where I experience the fullness, the reality of Christ. This is the day the Lord has made, the Bible says. I will what? I'll rejoice and I'll be glad. And you go, I don't feel like rejoicing. Well, guess what? Rejoicing is a choice. It's not a product of circumstances. If rejoicing wasn't a choice, the psalmist wouldn't have been able to to say those words. He would have looked at his circumstances and said, what do I have to rejoice about? My marriage is falling apart. I'm facing financial ruin. I'm having a meeting this week with my boss. I think I might get fired. I have nothing to rejoice at. The psalmist was looking at something beyond his circumstances. Today is the day of salvation. This is the day that the Lord has made. If you hear the voice of God today, don't turn away from it. There's a theme. It's the present moment. And what it takes us to biologically is that if an unfocused brain focuses on the past and the future, regret and anxiety, a focused brain, that's the second mode, focuses on the present. And being able to experience the moment that you're in, and specifically for those of us who are Christ followers, the presence of God in the present. Understanding that no matter what's happening in my life, and again, in a room this size, watching online, all kinds of things happening in our lives, all kinds of troubles that we're facing today. And understanding the reality of God is understanding that God is with you in those circumstances. You hear people say, when you're facing difficult things, it drives me crazy. You hear people say, you know, you should get over it. Don't ever say that to somebody. Because first of all, it's not a biblical understanding of life. You know, Jesus doesn't come in and and helicopter us out of hard situations. Just get over it. I'll just fly you over this hard thing in your life. Nope. He walks with us through it. So I want you to hear this from me as your pastor. For many of you who are facing difficult things in your life right now, and many of those things have happened to you or you're anticipating that something will happen to you, you're tempted to live in the past or in the future, regret or anxiety, you won't get over it, but with Christ, you will get through it. You will get through it, not in your own strength, but your shepherd will walk with you through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. 
You're walking with me through it. In the present, living in the moment with God. Uh, Dale talked to us last week about 150 open files in our brain. Do you remember this? So you think about your computer, and when you have a bunch of open files, like you get to the end of your workday and you go, man, I've got 20 files open, and my computer's going what? Slower and slower the more files I have open. And our brains, scientists tell us, have somewhere around 150 open files, if you will, in our brain every single day. Things that they're trying to resolve. Your brain is trying to resolve something that happened to you in the past. Your brain is trying to anticipate something that's going to happen in the future, a a perceived threat coming from somewhere. And so our brains are constantly working and trying to bring resolution. They want to, going back to our opening illustration, they want to finish the narrative. They want to understand and bring resolution. And for many of us, if we're not trusting Christ in the present, everyone watch this, with those open, unresolved files that you have open, if you're not trusting God with them in the present, you're going to always be tempted to go back to the past and live in the past to resolve them or live in constant state of anticipation. Where's the next threat coming from? Who's going to get me? Who's going to hurt me? Who's going to leave me? Who's going to abandon me? I have to protect myself because nobody else will. So I have to live anticipating the future. And guys, this is the story of our culture. I listened to a song this week. It's an older song. I I was a, I think I was a sophomore in high school school when this came out. It was by a band called Soul Asylum. And as we think about like trains, I was thinking about songs that are, are, um, you know, kind of focused on trains. So many great songs that are focused on trains. And this song, it was entitled Runaway Train. And maybe you'll hear it on the radio pop up sometime if, if you listen to the radio. What's the radio? Who listens to the radio? <laughs> but I want to read this. This song hit number one in 1993. I just want you to listen to the words. And then I want to I tell you what I experienced and I wonder what you experienced when you just listen. I'm not going to read the whole song. But I just want you to listen to the words of this song as it pertains to unfocused thoughts and where they're taking us, what destination they're leading us to. So tired that I couldn't even sleep. So many secrets I couldn't keep. Promised myself I wouldn't weep. One more promise I couldn't keep. It seems no one uh, can help me now. I'm in too deep. There's no way out. This time I have really let myself go astray. Runaway train never going back. Wrong way on a one-way track. Seems like I should be getting somewhere. Somehow I'm neither here nor there. Runaway train never coming back. Runaway train tearing up the track. Runaway train burning in my veins. I run away, but it always seems to stay the same. And I I read about this song this week. And the lead um, singer who wrote the song said, I I wrote it about my thoughts. And specifically my depression. And he said, you know, my depression, which there's all kinds of clinical definitions of depression. But maybe a working definition of depression is anger turned inward. When I begin to turn my anger my regretting thoughts, my anxious thoughts towards myself. And you, can't you hear it in this song? 
the word that stuck out to me, I wonder what the word is for you when you listen to those lyrics. That song hit number one and it still plays, it's become an anthem for mental health, for our culture. But you know what the word that sticks out to me when I read that and I listen to that song, I cried this week, listened to it in my office, is lostness. The lostness of this thought. I'm on a, I'm on a runaway train on a, going the wrong way on a one-way track. In other words, there's no way out of it. There's no hope. And dear friends, that's the story of the culture, that our thoughts that are unfocused in the past or anxious about the future, without Jesus, there's no hope. We're on a, a runaway train, on a one-way track, going the wrong way. In other words, there's, there's no way out of it. And so many people in our lives, so many people even in the room today, believe this, that you're just a product of your thoughts, that you don't have any volition or control. There's nothing to be done. You're just riding the train. But back to our passage in Colossians 3, if you have it open, Paul says there is another way. There, there is a hope. And I want to teach you through these four verses as we think about the destination because here's the deal. And if you're taking notes, I hope you'll write this down or jot it down on your phone. When you set your mind, you set your destination. When you focus your mind, you focus yourself on a destination. In other words, you begin back in the train station in your brain with the end in mind of where each one of these thoughts are taking you because they're all taking you someplace. And Paul affirms that here in Colossians 3, verses one through four. So many of us look at other people's train of thought and we see their destination and we just wanna be a stowaway on their train. We wanna compare ourselves, which by the way, when you compare yourself to other people, you always lose because you're comparing your insides with someone else's outsides. So you know your thoughts and what's going on in your heart, the angst that you have, but all you're seeing is the outside veneer of their lives. And the truth is that we all have to go back to the train station, back to our thoughts, and begin to set them in the right course and destination to change. And that's what Paul is talking about here. Look at verse one. He begins by saying, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. In other words, you're focusing. You're not setting your sights where? On the past. And you're not setting your sights or your thinking on the future. You're setting your sights on the reality that Christ is seated now, right now this morning at the right hand of the Father. In other words, he's in control. In a world that seems out of control, God is on his throne and I can trust that. And so I set my focus and my sight to my thinking on the realities of heaven and not the realities of this broken world. The word here, if you're taking notes under verse one, is focus. I'm not letting my unfocused brain that is geared towards, defaulted towards negativity of the past or the future run my life or ruin my life. And for so many of you, you're allowing your regrets of the past or the anxieties of the future to rob you of the joys in the present. Regret and anxiety are thieves. And they're stealing joy and presence of the Lord today from you. 
And so Paul says, the way, there is a way out of this. I'm not on a runaway train on a wrong way track. The way out of it is Christ and setting my sights on something beyond myself. I'm setting my sights on the reality that Jesus is on the throne. He continues, right? He says, not only that, but you think about the realities or you think about what's going on in heaven and not what's going on here on earth. In other words, I can focus on my circumstances and the brokenness of this world. And this week isn't unlike every other week as we see death and destruction, as we see suffering and pain, a world that's not operating the way that God intended it to. Paul says creation is groaning, the effects of sin and brokenness. And I can focus just on that or I can begin to focus and set my thoughts on the reality of heaven, of the life to come and the kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever heard the expression, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good? What a bogus expression. Paul, Paul says, no, the more heavenly minded you are, the more good you can be here on earth because you're actually understanding the reality of what's going on, that there's something beyond this world. And then look thirdly here in verses three and four, Colossians three. He talks about your real life. Let me read it to you. He says, for you died to this life. Some of us haven't. Paul says, you died to this life. And you're underline that, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And it gets even better. Look at verse four. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. In other words, there's something beyond what we can see now. There's a reality to come. My kids got me on um, Be Real back in December. And some of our staff does it here too. And if you're familiar with Be Real, it, it, it prompts you during the day to take a picture of yourself and other people and you share it with other people. And it's basically instead of posing on Instagram and the best picture, it's real, be real. It lasted about two weeks for me. I, I, evidently, I couldn't be real on that. I just, I can't handle social media right now. But, I, you know, the whole idea is like, we're, we're gonna be transparent, we're gonna be real with each other. And we live in a world that is longing for authenticity. A, a world that, and maybe this resonates with your heart, what, what is real? It's Pilate's question to Jesus, what is truth? What can I build my life upon? Well, Paul answers the question right here in verses three and four, that Christ is your real life, that you've died to this life and actually your real life is wrapped up in Christ. And when he comes again and reveals himself to all the world and he will, you're going to share in his glory as a Christ follower, a co-heir with Jesus. I just want you to notice something here, okay, in the passage that I think is phenomenal that Paul talks about your past, he talks about your present, he talks about your future. He says, you've died with Christ and you've been raised with Christ, past. Set your sights on the reality, present of who Christ is. He's on the throne today, ruling and reigning. And then future, when I'm tempted to be anxious of how is this all gonna end? What's gonna happen in my life? Paul says, well, I'll tell you then, because we all want to finish the narrative. How does the narrative end? How does the story end? How does the scene resolve itself? Paul says, I'll tell you the future. The future is you reigning with Christ and sharing in his honor and glory forever. That's the end of the story, the real end 
of the story. So Paul says, we set our sights on the reality of heaven. We, we think about the things of God in heaven, not the things of earth, right? And we understand that our real life and what is to come in the future is wrapped up in the life of Jesus. I had a family share with me this week that when they were going home from church, they were having a conversation about what they experienced in the worship service and specifically the teaching on train station. And this was a couple of weeks ago. And which, by the way, there's, there's no greater joy for me than to hear that you're carrying these conversations into your everyday life. That you're talking about them on the minivan on the way home or around the dinner table at night or in the office place. It's wonderful. And this family was sharing with their 10-year-old a conversation they were having about the sermon And I love this 10-year-old's summation of the whole series, and I want to finish here. They just said, you know, what do you think? What did you learn? And here here was his answer. I don't want to ride the fear train. I want to ride the Jesus train. I don't know if I could say it any better. I don't want to ride the shame train that's rooted in my past or the anxious fear train that's rooted in my future. I want to ride the Jesus train today as I journey through this broken world, that there's someone waiting on me at my destination. You ever pull into your driveway or come to the airport when you used to be able to come to the gate and you've got a loved one waiting on you? Jesus is waiting for you. For those of you who have lost, and I know in our church, many of you have lost this year, your loved one in Christ is safe in the shepherd's arms. the reality that Jesus waits for you, that he's with you, and that he's covered your past. Here's the bottom line for the whole series for today. Your brain is a train station. And every one of those thoughts coming and going has the destination. And friends, God has something to say about it. I wanna finish today in a little different way. I wanna give you just a few moments to respond to what you've heard today in Colossians 3, but maybe even to reflect on what you've heard throughout the series. And you know, we live in such a a fast-paced world and I I know today is a a big day for many of us filled with all kinds of food and gatherings. But before we hit the door and we walk into the realities of our life and we experience our circumstances, I wanna just give you the gift of a few moments to reflect on what you've heard today, on what you've heard throughout the series, and what God may be speaking to you in your heart, your mind, and the truth of of what he shared with us. And so um, I want you to listen to a song. And it's a song that I thought about all throughout the series that really speaks about the truth of what we've learned together. And as you're listening to the song, we're gonna put the lyrics up on the screen. It's really not, I I, I guess you can sing, but... It's really not meant for you to sing along. It's really meant to be a gift to give you a few minutes to reflect and pray and just listen to the lyrics and look at the lyrics on the screen and celebrate what God has shared with us throughout the Train Station series. This is the Grey Havens and their song Train Station.